Welcome to REI Spotlight with your host, David Schwan. And today's go uh, today's guest is Nick Chapman with Rand Capital. Nick, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, David. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, give us a little bit of, a little bit about your uh, background and how you got uh, tied up with Jake and Gino and uh, with Rand Capital, and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. So, um, gosh, uh, 22 years old, uh, I followed my girlfriend to Hawaii uh, from the East Coast and, uh, you know, just was having a good time and just accidentally met some guys in the mortgage industry. And one thing led to another and I uh, got into residential mortgage lending uh, back when it was the big party. Uh, <laughs> and everyone remembers that. And uh, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world and the party would never end just like everyone did. And so uh, I worked for uh, rather one of the largest mortgage companies in the, in the country. And uh, until we shut our doors in 2008, uh, just about when everyone else did. And uh, so I uh, left Hawaii, went back to DC for a couple years to lick my wounds, and then uh, relocated to San Diego and became a commercial finance associate. Uh, and just that's how I got into commercial lending. And then, you know, I worked for a, a private brokerage for many, many years. And I actually met Dylan Marma through real estate out in San Diego, who later left San Diego to go study under Vinny Chopra. And he had met Jake and Gino along the way. And then he later partnered with them and reached back out to me. Uh, we had stayed in touch over the years and he, he called me and said, hey, we're what did you ever think about uh, opening a brokerage? I said, actually, you know, I've been spending a lot of time about thinking about opening up uh, yeah. my own brokerage. And uh, he's like, well, hey, let's get the conversation going with Jake and Gino and, and see where it goes. And uh, so last year I went out to uh, meet them face to face at their multifamily mastery live event in Nashville. And uh, we had a few phone calls before then. The conversation had been going on, you know, several, several months. But met him face to face at their event, and uh, we just hit it off. And within a few weeks, I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee, and got to work on opening the brokerage. And uh, and now I'm living in St. Augustine here with Gino, uh, so I can be back near the beach. <laughs> so awesome, Knoxville awesome. was a little tough for me, but uh, so now I'm here in St. Augustine, Florida, uh, and uh, that's that's really the best way to sum it up. Awesome, awesome. That is, uh, that's that. That's a story of you know. Make sure you keep your you. You know, when you have a good connection with somebody, keep those connections rolling. You know, don't uh, don't let connections die, and and you know, make sure that you know when you have a connection that you haven't heard from in a while, make sure you pick up that phone and talk to them. You know, you never know. Uh, you never know where that next opportunity will come from, and and, and where it'll lead. I always love seeing. Uh, I love seeing somebody's trajectory on how they got where they are because nobody, you know, very rarely do people have just a straight path where it's like, wow, they hopped on and they just went straight, no exits, no turns, nothing like that. You know, it's, I love seeing, you know, where it's like twist, turn, twist, turn. And, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, how did I end up here for, you know, where did, where I started out and how did I ended up here? It's always an amazing, uh, amazing story to see how people get to that point. Um, now since, since you're into the lending realm, um, 
Well, I'll just ask you uh, straight up, what's uh, what's probably the most interesting piece of news going on right now that, uh, you, you know, what do you find uh, most interesting in the finance world right at the moment? Well, for most people, it's a pretty boring topic, right? Yes. Uh, there's not much excitement to most people. Uh, most people just want to know how much money can they get and what's the rate, right? Yes. Uh, I happen to love lending because I love problem solving and numbers. And that's what winds my clock, right? Uh, as far as news right now, today, actually, um, as most people are aware of the past couple of months, Fannie and Freddie have been approaching their lending limits. Leverage has been lowered. Rates have gone up. Uh, they've really just not been funding a lot of deals or they just are going with low leverage, uh, really safe deals. It, it's been terrible for everybody. Uh, but today, they are each receiving $100 billion uh, in funding to last them through 2020. So the FHFA decided not to wait until January 1st to release funds, but to issue them early so we could get back to lending and, uh, and we're back up to uh, getting quotes and approvals for 80% leverage. Uh, the rates are going down. And so uh, you know, for, for me and for you know, the investors, those are the most important things, right? Leverage is going up, rates are going down, and uh, the faucets have been turned on again. No, that's uh, that that that's hugely benefit beneficial for somebody who is in the uh, you know in the capital gain of uh, yeah I need somebody to be able to lend the money uh, versus them going uh, yeah no we, we we need more down we and we're charging you more that's uh, those are the two words that nobody ever wants to hear is uh, no uh, we're not funding as much and what we do fund is going to cost you more nobody ever wants to hear those words but. You know, um, thankfully, you know, thankfully, Fannie and Freddie have uh, have been able to turn the uh, faucet back on and and be able to uh, you know get some get some projects rolling. But you had said uh, you know part of what you enjoy about this is being able to be creative and kind of be able to provide a solution to uh, you know to somebody else's issue and being able to work work around it um, had. Since when when Fannie and Freddie, when they had, you know, while you're working through the restrictions, did you have anything that you had to get really creative on to kind of be able to push across the line or uh, anything like that? Well, you know, we, we all say there's no such thing as a clean deal. Yes. Right. No matter what. Um, and especially when you're dealing with the larger deals. Right. Commercial multifamily in, in that sense is much different than residential. Right. Where it's very black and white, if your pay stubs and tax returns match up and your appraisal's there, you're good to go. Anything can happen. Agency debt can be like a roller coaster sometimes. What, what was a result of those two plus months, really, uh, of uh, Fannie and Freddie tightening up was the emergence of, of more being creative and finding solutions. And so um, really, it's just about having those relationships that were already in place. And maybe you didn't lean on them a lot over the past couple of years, but just having them ready to go. Because what happened was so many Fannie and Freddie deals, they got transitioned to CMBS or private lending because it might have happened during the deal. You might be two weeks or four weeks into the, the closing timeline and Freddie comes back and says, we're lowering your leverage, 
right? Or we don't like this deal, or we don't like the way it's structured. Or Fannie, right, typically doesn't rate lock until two days before closing, and your rate's skyrocketing, right? Your rate's going up 30, 40, 50 basis points during your deal. And now the deal doesn't make sense, right? So we have to change horses in the race, so to speak. And so that's really where the, the creative part came from. Um, you know, there, there's, there's certain things you can do um, as far as, uh, you know, an early rate lock with Fannie getting there and, and going into Fannie and getting the spread held. Uh, there, there's not too much, you know, if Freddie's tearing apart your deal structure, maybe you, you, you change the organizational structure of that deal to make them more comfortable with it. Uh, maybe you give somebody who has the, the high net worth and the high liquidity more ownership of the deal. Uh, maybe you give somebody who has most experience in the group more ownership in the, in the deal. Kind of so, just to make it look a little bit sweeter, a little bit sweeter, a little bit more long line, make it a little bit more attractive. You may have to adjust where it's, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily my ideal structure, but, you know, it's like, well, we're, we'll we have to adjust the structure and be a little bit more flexible uh, you know, going into our lending is like, well, okay. Uh, you know, Freddie said, uh, they didn't like this. So, uh, you know, to still keep us in the game and this ball rolling while we'll have to adjust this and, and get creative and then take it back. And then Freddie goes, okay, then I, I, I like this now. And then we can move forward. Yeah. And there were times where it didn't matter what you did and <laughs> they weren't going to like the deal. So uh, that's where, you, again, like, like I mentioned, you change horses in the race. And uh, the most important thing, like you said, is, is as long as the deal still makes sense, right, getting across the finish line and on to the next one. Definitely, definitely. So or do you see um, the lending restrictions and everything as far as Freddie, Freddie and Fannie are concerned that – they should uh, they should be a little bit more back to normal for the rest of the year, or or do you think this is just a short term uh, release, or or what what's your your personal feelings on how it's going to play out? Well, we also have Fannie and Freddie uh, being released from government control coming up, uh, maybe uh, here within the next few days by the end of the month, right? Uh, they were obviously bailed out in two thousand and eight. So there's a lot of things going on which may impact how they look at their guidelines moving forward. Uh, let's say, you know, whether it's this month or uh, January of 2020, um, what I can share is uh, the, the leverage, right, is going up, the rates are going down. Uh, they were still going to, uh, I guess, carefully analyze the deals as opposed to, let's say the past few years is kind of the wild west with Freddie SBL products. Uh, Fannie had stayed a little bit more conservative, uh, but so for example, um, both Fannie and Freddie are going to be looking at uh, the deal structure more closely, the asset quality more more closely, and the financials of the team a little bit more closely. Just meaning they'll be requiring additional months of bank statements than they pr they previously did. So just being a little bit more careful and, and holding the the closing officer along with the underwriter, more accountable for their, uh, approve, their, their underwriting and approval process. So they're still, still even, though, even though they have the money, they're still being a little bit more, um, a little bit more cautious on their side of the due diligence, uh, you know, trying to make sure that, that, that it's a little bit, they're digging in a little bit deeper than what they had previously. Um, sure. 
Well, and and you know, uh, I honestly I can't knock them for that, especially where we're at in in the market cycle and and things. Um, you know, I've been preaching for months of uh, you know making sure people you know add extra stresses and, and make sure that they're uh, overstressing their deals. So it just kind of sounds like you know Fannie and Freddie are kind of taking a little bit of that that same advice of you know it's like look um, you know we're 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 at at the top of the market you know it could go another ten years, but we know that you know we're at a high point in the market. You know, I'm not saying it's going to crash, but, you know, we're at a high point. So I understand them wanting to throw a little extra, you know, uh, a little bit of extra safety on their side because, you know, face it, like uh, I've said a hundred times on the show is, is, you know, Fannie and Freddie or whoever, you know, your lender is, they're the ones with the most skin in the game of everybody involved in these projects is because it's their capital, um, you know, that's really driving the deal at the, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, who has the most money tied up in this and, you know, if they have 80% of it, it's easily them. That is the, the, yeah. the biggest, you know, the biggest stake in the game. So, uh, you know, and uh, it's non-recourse debt, right? So that's another factor. And it's really not forward thinking. It's much more reactionary over the past couple of years, about 90% of the acquisitions that have gone through Fannie and Freddie have been syndications, right? And especially with Freddie SBL being so friendly to new investors and new buyers. Um, again, I always joke it was like the Wild West. Um, a lot of these deals didn't work out well, right? And, and so you have first-time operators, first-time uh, investors working with other with partners that have never been through a deal before together. It's harder than they thought. And the deals aren't working out that well. And, um, and, and again, you, you can get more stories from a syndication attorney. Than oh, definitely. For me. But, um, and, and that's why, right? It's always reactionary. It's like, what has happened? What was the result? And how can we make sure that the results are better moving forward? And what that means really is, is just that the more experienced investors that have a couple deals under their belts are going to benefit more moving forward with Fannie and Freddie. And the newer investors will, will have to seek out alternative solutions like private lenders. Um, you know, CMBS, again, doesn't have a strong of a credit box. Uh, they care more about the asset itself. And, and so, um, so there, there's other avenues, but the, the premium financing is certainly going to be more beneficial to uh, investors that have a, a track record and a few deals under their belt. And, and and that's understand just from a from from a business standpoint, you know, hey, if you've been burned or bit a couple times, you know, you always that you you know, if you have a pain point, you know, it's human reaction. When you have a, a pain point, you go, ouch, that hurt. And usually the very next thing out of your in your mind is is how do I keep that from happening again? You know, it's like ouch, that that hurt, that sucked. Where do I go from here so that doesn't happen to me again? Obviously, they've done the same thing going, ouch, that hurt a little bit. You know, this didn't work out quite as well as we wanted it to. We need to look a little bit closer at what we're doing and how to prevent this from happening before. And they looked at it and decided that we need a little bit more experience on the people that we're lending to so that we don't have as great of a chance to, you know, for a default or you know, like you said, on non-recourse, you know, it's, you know, Fannie and Freddie are not in the business of 
holding multifamily acquisitions. They're not in that business. Their business is to lend on it. They don't, you know, they don't want to be apartment owners. You know, they, you know, that's not their deal. That's not what they want to. They lend on it because they know that, you know, that where they have researched and go, okay, this is a viable asset. If something goes wrong, we still should be okay. But they don't want to take the headache. They just want their, you know, they're, they're like most syndicators and most passive investors. I don't really, you know, I, I really just want my mailbox money. That's what I ultimately want. I, you know, just because I had to take over this asset and I still make out okay. And I still, you know, I don't financially lose anything. I still had to take time and energy from whatever else that I concentrate on doing. And now I have to deal with this and, you know, they don't want to do it. So they, they look at, look at what happened, what caused it and go, okay, well, um, now we, we, we need to go a different way. Now we'll go, uh, since you touched on it a little bit more, um, let's dig in a little bit more on these alternative sources that somebody say, you know, it is a, you know, they do get turned down from Fannie or Freddie and, you know, they, it's still a good deal. You know, it still works out, but you know, their experience side and they don't, maybe the deal doesn't work out if, you know, they don't have a, enough of a spread to be able to bring somebody on that has that other piece that Fannie or Freddie's missing. What are their options? And, you know, what are kind of the uh, extra cost or whatever, you know, that they're going to give up, you know, versus, you know, if they went with uh, private lending or somebody else over uh, Fannie or Freddie? Perfect. We'll start with private lending. It's a, it's a, I love private lending. I think it's great for newer investors. I work with a lot of newer investors uh, as well. And so with Fannie and Freddie, the team's net worth has to equal the loan amount. And the team's post-close liquidity has to be approximately 10% of the loan amount, right? When you get to a private lender, the team's net worth uh, only has to be about 20% or so of the loan amount. And the team's post-close liquidity is 5% of the loan amount, right? That's a huge advantage as a newer investor. Maybe you haven't built up your net worth yet. You don't have the the, the uh, liquidity. And so it's something to weigh out, right? So I work with a lot of investors. I work with a lot of high net worth guys that will join a team to help them get agency financing. Mm-hmm. And they may have not, without even putting any money into the deal, they get 10% of that deal, right? Just for signing on the note. Just so, to make that, 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 uh, that dollar, that uh, net worth hurdle. Exactly. Right. So what a newer investor can weigh out as the options are, do I bring on a high net worth individual, highly liquid, to get approved for agency debt because I can't get there on my own or and give away 10% of my deal or do I keep 100% of my deal and pay a little bit extra in their rate, right? And so just because you're paying one way or the other. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a cost and you have to sit down and, and figure out per deal and for you personally, um, you know, it's like, well, if, if I go this way, you know, how, what are my outcomes with, I go this way, what are my outcomes? And, you know, there's a lot to be said of, you know, being able to, you know, having to pay a higher interest rate, but being able to keep that, all that control to yourself and being able to not have to consider somebody else's opinion. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, depending on whose opinion you're listening to. But you now have complete control, and that extra that extra 
percentage on your on your loan may be worth being able to keep that control. And you're still going to get non-recourse debt. You're still going to get a 30-year amortization, just like with Fannie or Freddie. Uh, so in many, I would always recommend that over going with a bank where you're only going to get a 20 or 25-year amortization and more often than not, full recourse debt. So I love private lending. They're really flexible. They'll think outside of the box. You know, typically you're looking at five to 10 year terms, again, on a 30 year amortization. And to keep 100% of your deal, so you don't have to bring on another key principal, you pay maybe a quarter percent higher, maybe 50 basis points higher on the, on the deal. But uh, it's still really competitive compared to uh, agency debt. And then with CMBS, like I mentioned, the, the credit box isn't as tight as agency debt either. It's more like private lending where you can have a lower net worth, lower liquidity. They are more focused on the quality of the asset. Um, now, however, it, it's more of a gray area where it's going to be more advantageous to have a higher net worth and higher liquidity. They're going to look at everything like a 360 degree approach to the deal. But they're CMBS. They're gonna they're gonna Google your deal. They're gonna look at pictures online, and they're gonna make judgments there, right? If they don't like the pictures they find online, they can lower the leverage right there. So with private lending and CMBS, you're gonna be looking at a max of seventy five percent leverage compared to Fannie and Freddie, where you can max out at eighty percent. Um, so slightly lower leverage, but however, a lot more flexibility. But CMBS is also non recourse. The rates are very low right now, lower than agency debt. So it's just about the right tool for the right job and, and finding out and also making sure you're, you're fully aware of what your exit strategy is going to be, because that will determine uh, the success of the deal as well. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Those having those, uh, um, it, just having those options and, and that's, and knowing what your options are going in, um, which is why I suggest any of my listeners that you're, uh, you know, that if you're looking at that, bring it, to somebody like Nick and go, Hey, Nick, uh, here's my deal. Here's what I'm going through. What is, you know, when your opinion, what is the best way? Here's my team. Here's, you know, here, here's who I am. Here's what the deal is. I need financing on this. And that's why you take it to a specialist like yourself and go, Hey, what is the best way? What are my options here? And like you said, you know, it may be, you know, it may be, okay, you, your, your deal fits in all the boxes, uh, you know, we'll go agency. And it's like, well, okay, no, you're missing a couple boxes. Here's your options of, you know, you either need to find a, a key principal that has, you know, a higher net worth or you, maybe you need to go with a private lender or, you know, whatever those other options are. And just make sure that, you know, early in the deal when you're trying to, especially right at the moment where financing is kind of up in the air and it's not, chugging along on a straight even path that there's a lot of balls up in the air and things juggling around right now, which means, you know, having that conversation with somebody early on and, and understanding what your options are and having somebody who understands it and deals with it daily. That's why this is, you know, talking with somebody like Nick is such an important part of the process and understanding that, look, you need to have these professionals in your corner and probably the earlier in the deal, or at least the, you know, don't, don't wait till the last second to, to get them in to, you know, give somebody like Nick a little bit of time to, to look at it and work the deal and figure out what is your best solution. Um, you know, just make sure that, that people are, are paying attention and bringing a deal to somebody like you to make sure that, 
they know what their options are and they understand what their options are so that they can make the best decision on what they're moving moving forward on. Um, if I could touch on that, David, uh, just so what I what I like to do is I'm always happy to jump on a call with anyone that's looking at a deal and talk about options or you can email me at nick at randcapllc.com. What I always say is don't tell me the name of the deal right? <laughs> until you get your LOI accepted. It's a competitive market out there. I know a lot of investors and for best practices, I'm happy to talk about options. Um, if you send me, you know, some information about the deal or we just talk about it, we can really dive into what the financing would look like and where maybe you as a team, or if it's just you taking down the deal, where we need to be. And then once you get your LOI accepted, right, we can rock and roll and get the deal sized up and all the good stuff. But I always like to say, you know, just for best practices to build the trust, you know, don't send me the name of the deal because, you know, everyone, again, well, it, it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like, look, um, you know, no matter what your broker says, um, even if the broker says you're the only person that's looking at this deal, he's probably lying to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've very rarely seen a deal where only one person was ever looking at it. And, you know, uh, you know, probably your broker's probably not telling you, probably telling you on a short list. Uh, and short is, is uh, you know, that's, uh, that's all depends on who's, uh, who's saying it on what the definition of short is, uh, you know, so just like you said, you know, uh, if you're contact Nick, you know, just keep the, uh, keep all, you know, give him the, the important information, um, the proprietary uh, information, go ahead and keep that to yourself. Um, now, with that said, Nick, uh, I know you said it once, but let's go ahead and give the listeners uh, your best contact information again. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can reach me at nick at randcapllc.com. Uh, you know, uh, follow us on Instagram. I put a lot of educational videos about financing on Instagram. I've actually slacked off a little bit. Now I'm going to tell them on myself, but you can follow <laughs> us on Instagram at randcaplending. Uh, you'll, you'll see a lot of content there. Um, and, uh, find us on LinkedIn, right. And, uh, also, uh, the website randcapllc.com. Uh, there's a lot of information there, content there for you. And, uh, all of my contact information's there, uh, for you as well. And, and again, I'm always happy to jump on a call with anyone. And, uh, I love this stuff. So always happy to talk shop. Awesome. Awesome, man. Um, my one question that I ask every single host is, is how do you like to give back to your community? I love talking about this. So, <laughs> uh, well, just because I, I miss it. Right. So when I was in San Diego, uh, before I came out here to launch Ram Capital, I was a coach in the Miracle League, which is a baseball league for boys and girls, men and women with special needs. And prior to that, when I was in D.C., before I went out to San Diego, I uh, volunteered at Miriam's Kitchen, which is a soup kitchen. And also I was on the volunteer task force there, uh, part of the Housing First program, to set up uh, events to raise money for the the group. So now that I'm in Florida, I don't know what to do, right? Uh, So if anyone is in the St. Augustine area uh, or can make any recommendations about great groups where I I can be actively a, a volunteer, I'd love to hear back from you about that um you know as part of the rand family we do uh we have rand cares so we just uh, a couple weeks ago on a friday you know we were uh, hanging out with the boys and girls club there and uh before we had an event 
And so that was great, but uh, it's a great question. You know, I, I just, I always feel better when I'm connected to the community in that way. And um, gosh, if there's anything like the Miracle League here, then, uh, you know, please send me an email, let me know. Well, definitely. Hopefully uh, any of my listeners in St. Augustine will be able to, to, to make that connection and, and hook you up with uh, your next great thing. But those are, you know, that's, two amazing charities that you were part of and, and, and were helping with, you know? Um, so, you know, my, my, my cap's off to you for being part of those things. So yeah, anybody out there, Nick has a heart of gold. He wants to, you know, he wants to be part of his new community. And like you said, he's only been in St. Augustine for a month or so. Um, you know, so he's, he's building that. So if you have anything, any recommendations for him, certainly, uh, you know, contact him and let him know because, uh, you, you can't see it in his face, but you can tell, uh, you know, I'm watching him on, on zoom and it's like, yeah, he, he, he has a passion for this and he wants to be able to get back in and get connected with, uh, his new community. So if you're in the area, you know, certainly reach out to him and, and let him, uh, let him know what his options are, what what great uh, organizations are down there that he can help uh, help them improve and move on with. So, but if you're any of your listeners are in the D.C. area or in uh, Southern California and you want to be a part of those uh, organizations, you know, email me about that and I'll connect you with the right people so you can get uh, hooked up with them. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anybody, anybody that's in that realm, uh, just reach out to Nick and, and I'm pretty sure he can definitely help you out. Nick, I appreciate you uh, being on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and expanding or sharing your knowledge with my listeners and helping educate them on finance. Um, any of my listeners, if you have any questions for Nick, reach out to him or, or leave, a, leave some comments below and I'll make sure that Nick gets them. Um, you know, if you have anything, um, any questions, comments, whatever, just leave them in the post below and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that Nick gets them and we'll get you some answers. But Nick, thank you so much for taking your time and sharing your wisdom with us. And until next time, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, David. It's been great. Love talking with you today.